This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome to the very first Fearless Presentations podcast. Uh, I'm Doug Stannard. I'm the CEO of the Fearless Presentations company. And although we're new to podcasting, we're definitely not new to the public speaking business. Um, I, I'll give you just a, a, a brief little background about myself. I, I actually got into the public speaking business a whole lot differently than what most people do. A lot of people that get into this profession and want to be professional speakers, it's because they have a real calling. It's because they they uh, they got up in front of a group at one point in their life and just did such a bang-up job that they they uh, continue to do it over and over again and get better and better and better. I, I was the exact opposite. I well, The very first time I got up in front of a group, I was a basket case. It was horrible. And uh, as a result, I did a tremendous amount of training very early on in my career. And, and because of that training, I was able to really hone in and develop that skill. And so my passion is really for helping other people develop that same skill. Do do basically what I did. You know, go from a a point where you're not necessarily a great speaker and turn into a, a real world class kind of speaker. Um, so my story. I when I started out, I was in college and and I had an internship with a big oil company. Uh, I was I worked for Atlantic Richville for the Arco Oil and Gas Company when I was in college, and it was just a, thir- a three month internship. But it was it, there was a lot of pressure on it. Uh, during that three months, we did some really cool stuff. Like for instance, I was in the I was in uh, an office in West Texas, and uh, one of the one of my roles was as a I was in the acquisitions and divestiture department, and and uh, we were selling you know a lot of oil properties at the time. So here I was like twenty almost twenty one years old, and I was responsible for selling a gas plant, <laughs> which was kind of cool. I mean, not many young kids get to do stuff like that. So I was involved in a lot of really really big projects and and got a ton of experience. Well, at the end of that three month period of time, though. The company wanted us to to fly into Dallas and give a presentation on kind of what we'd done for the summer. And the the interesting thing about what happened a couple weeks prior before that is that I was not really nervous in in the beginning. You know, I'd given presentations in in high school and college, and I'd always done pretty well. I mean, I was not a phenomenal speaker, but I wasn't a terrible speaker either. And uh, my boss called me into his office about two weeks before I was I was uh, scheduled to do this presentation, and he said, "Hey, Doug, you know, um, just got word that they're going to be reducing the uh, intern program next year." And so, um, and since this was my junior year, he said, if you want to be invited back, you know, th- this presentation is, is going to be real critical. Uh, and right now we had 12 interns and next year we're probably going to have about three or four. And, uh, and I was, <laughs> so all of a sudden the pressure started to hit where I'm going, holy crap, this was my chosen career field. This was, I had, I had made the assumption that, you know, if I got this internship, which I worked really, really hard for, and I did a good job, that I'd, you know, have my have my career set and be in corporate America and that kind of thing. Um, so anyway, so I so the nervousness started to hit a couple of weeks before I actually gave the presentation, and and when I flew into Dallas and and uh, was was just about to deliver the presentation, I walked into the boardroom, and this was a boardroom that was set up for maybe. 
I'd say, well, I mean, it was it, it was a size for maybe 25 people or so, and I think there were probably 30 or 35 people kind of crammed into it. So it was a little cramped and crowded, and I was sitting around this boardroom table, and when I walked in, I knew I was kind of outclassed anyway because everybody in the room was wearing a jacket and a tie and a formal suit, and, and at the time, I didn't even own a jacket, so I kind of walked in with my with my uh, white button-up shirt and, and, and a pretty nice tie, but still, you know, I was already starting to feel a little bit kind of outclassed. And then the first couple of people that got up to speak did just did a bang up job. The The first guy got up and he was telling jokes. And as and as he was kind of delivering his jokes, I'm sitting there thinking, holy crap, I have no jokes. And and so I'm sitting there scrambling in my head, trying to think of some joke that didn't wasn't offensive to the to the group. And the next girl got up the, or the next person got up. She was a young lady that that um, that was was a law student. And she um, had a, just a ton of really nice visual aids. She had actually sent down to marketing and had them create a bunch of color visual aids, which at the time was kind of unheard of. This was back before PowerPoint and stuff like that. So, so um, it was. Uh, so all of a sudden, I'm sitting here thinking, "Holy crap! I got no jokes. I got no visual aids." And so I was already getting nervous, and I could feel the the, the clamminess on my on my palms, and that was a big challenge as well. So uh, I was the third person to speak. The, the woman who was in charge of the intern program, uh, you know, um, uh, in, invited me to, to come up. And I, I speak pretty fast anyway, but when I get nervous, oh, man, I kind of zoomed through my presentation. So I had about 15 minutes of prepared speech, and I think I probably delivered the entire speech in maybe four minutes, three and a half, four minutes or so. So I just kind of zoomed through it. And when I got to the ending, I didn't really have a, a, a great ending, so I just kind of stopped and and sat down. And I think people were kind of shocked because it went so short and because it had such an abrupt ending that folks were kind of questioning when I sat down. I was like, oh my God, is he done? Is that it? Is that, is that what's going to happen? And uh, and so I'm sitting there, I'm mortified. I'm, I'm sitting looking around the table and and I'm thinking, okay, if there's if there's 12 of us in this room and three people are going to, to be able to come back or get a permanent position, man, I probably just blew my, my chance to kind of get that. And uh, the what was what uh, immediately after that though I I just kind of dwelled on it for for a little while and then I said you know what that is never ever ever going to happen to me again I am never going to get out cl- out class like that I am never going to be unprepared for something that's that's going to help me in my career and so I started looking for training and I found a, a training program a, a leadership class it wasn't even a public speaking class but I found a leadership class where a, a lady was doing leadership coaching in West Texas where I was living at the time. And I actually, she had like a three month coaching process that I went through. And about halfway through that coaching process, I actually quit my job at uh, at the oil company that I was working at at the time and ended up going into sales because I figured I could probably make more money doing that. Within six months of the time that I had quit my job at the oil company, I was making more money in my bonus checks than what I was making on salary at, at the oil company. And so I went back to her and I said, hey, you know, this stuff really works. You know, this communication skills, these people skills, these leadership skills, this stuff really, really works. And so I, I followed her around for a couple of years, begging her to let me be a sales rep for her. And finally, she kind of broke down. And that's how I kind of got into the industry. So basically, I was the 
I was the poster child for what not to do as a leader, for what not to do as a speaker. And because of the changes that I made in my life, I was able to to uh, become fairly successful in, in the industry. Um, the Fearless Presentations class is, is a two-day public speaking class, and we teach that in cities all over the United States and Canada and Europe. And we do these about every two, three, four months or so in, in each of the major cities. So if you ever want to go to a class, if you ever want additional training, then the two-day public speaking class is a, a good way to do it. Um, in each one of these sessions, each one of the podcasts, we're going to kind of cover, I like to cover, you know, some kind of technical breakthrough or some kind of technology find that will help us be better speakers and also some skill development as well. Now, sometimes the skill development are going to be things that I'm going to be pulling from some of my classes and, and teach you. And then other times it's going to be interviews with experts in the in the industry. So um, don't let the name fool you, though. Uh, the even though we call this the Fearless Presentations Podcast, that's our that's our brand name, and really we really do help people reduce public speaking fear. It's one of the fastest, easiest ways to help people reduce public speaking fear is our training programs, and hopefully this podcast will be a big help in that as well. But a lot of times, what what I think what people are kind of surprised at when they go through one of our training programs is at the end of it they go, "Holy crap, I'm." I'm much better than most everybody else I've ever heard speaking, right? So so we cover some really professional kind of techniques in a very short period of time. And so you'll start to pick up on some of those too. So I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. It's one of those things that as we put new information out, it can be very, very helpful to you personally in your career. And also if you're trying to coach other people and how to be better public speakers or better leaders. So that, that can be very, very helpful. So let's start this week with the with this week's tech find. Tech find. High tech gadgets to make your presentations better. So the tech find this week is a, is an app that you can find on your iPhone or your iPad, basically in the in the Apple App Store. And it's called EduCreations. E-D-U-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S. EduCreations. It's a whiteboard application that you can use to to, to basically do more spontaneous kind of visual aids in the presentations that you're making. Um, I, I, I tell you some interesting situations that might come up uh, that, that where this can be helpful. Uh, when I first started doing training programs, they were kind of tiny programs. I mean, I was working with eight, 10 people, maybe 12 people in, in a boardroom. And when you're doing a presentation in a small boardroom, if you have a big, huge screen set up, it's kind of overwhelming. It doesn't really work well. So what I, what I figured out that I could do in some of these smaller settings is to just is I could still use a PowerPoint slideshow or I could still use slide or a slide deck. But if I projected that slide deck onto like a whiteboard or a flip chart, it made it to where I could do more spontaneous things. Like I could take a marker and highlight something. I could write uh, in in hand uh, additional information. I could add stuff to the presentation, that kind of thing. So it made the presentations that I was creating a whole lot more intimate, a whole lot more spontaneous to the group that, that I was presenting with. And since I did that for, for quite a few years, I got really good at creating those spontaneous types of additions to my presentation. Well, the challenge got when I started speaking to much bigger audiences, when I was speaking to 100 or 1,000 or 2,000 or 10,000 people, a whiteboard, I mean, if you got 10,000 people in your audience and you put a whiteboard up on the stage, it's going to be very, very difficult for somebody to see it. So this basically takes some of those really cool things that you can do with a small group and and make it applicable for a big group as well. Um, one of the ways that I've kind of used this is 
you can take your regular PowerPoint slide deck and you can turn it into images. You can actually just do a save as and you can save each one of your slides as an image and then upload that image to, to Edgy Creations. And when you do, you've actually got your slide now as a visual aid and you've got a way now with an iPad or with your iPhone to just kind of write on the slide. You can actually highlight things, you can circle things, you can add additional content to the material. So it makes the whole presentation a whole lot more spontaneous. So it take, basically one of the cool things that this app will allow you to do is to make your bigger types of presentations where the audience is much bigger, make it more intimate as if it were a much smaller group. So I think you'll get some great, great um, advantages by using this particular app and go experiment with it, kind of try it out. By the way, if you have other apps or other technical finds that you want to highlight, just email me at uh, podcast at fearlesspresentations.com and I might do a segment on that one in one of our future programs. So, Doug, what's today's hot topic? So, the hot topic for today is 10 things that you can do to help you reduce public speaking fear. And in fact, it, because there's 10 items, we're going to kind of break it down into two separate podcasts. So, we'll cover five of those things on this particular podcast, and then we'll cover the additional five things on the on the next podcast. Um, these are the five things that you can do to reduce nervousness that are taken right from the, the first chapter of my book, Fearless Presentations. Uh, and this is one of the first things that we tend to talk about in our two-day public speaking class. Um, one of the things that you really want to keep in mind about public speaking fear is it's it's pretty normal. In fact, surveys show that that in the United States anyway, about 95% of the population has some type of public speaking fear. So you're in good company if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you're 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 normal anyway. So the the really good speakers are the ones who kind of like the old book said, you, you got to feel the fear and do it anyway. And, and what's interesting about the skill in public speaking is that the more times that you do it and have a success the more confidence that you're going to build as a speaker. And that's really what we kind of teach in our in our coaching sessions as well, is that have a series of successes and it makes it a whole lot easier now to, to stand up and speak in front of a group. So um, the very first thing, the very first tip that we're going to cover is, is a, a tip that kind of basically says that most of the stuff that happens to us when we get nervous are things that the audience isn't really going to see anyway. And if you think it's, it's almost kind of common sense, but it not common practice. What, what, what tends to happen is when we get nervous, our body tends to change in a lot of different ways. We're going to start sweating in weird places, or we're going to get those butterflies in our stomach. Our heart's going to start racing, get the clammy hands and the, and the, the shaky hands, and, and we're going to start talking faster and all that kind of stuff. So when those kind of things happen, those are very real. Those symptoms are very, very real. We feel those things, but most of those things are things that the audience would never even know had occurred anyway. Like for instance, if you, if you have butterflies in your stomach, you, you might feel queasy and you might feel like you're going to throw up, but as long as you don't actually throw up, the audience isn't really going to know that there was anything wrong. They're, they're not going to see that as a, as a difference. If our heart is racing, you know, it might, it may feel like our heart's going to beat out of our chest, but the audience will never know that. So, so a lot of the stuff that happens to us when we get nervous are going to be things that the, that the audience will never see anyway. Um, the, by the way, some of the things that the audience will say, see are things that the, that may actually be advantageous to us. Like for instance, when we get nervous, we tend to speak faster than what we normally would. So if you're talking faster, not only is that a symptom of nervousness, but that's actually a symptom 
of enthusiasm as well. Uh, so is moving around more. A lot of times when we get nervous, we tend to move around. We, we might pace or we might do some, some, some of those nervous tics, but in reality, we're actually moving more. That's also a symptom of, of energy. It's a symptom of enthusiasm. There is a good chance that there's probably at least a few people that are listening to the podcast right now that at some time in your life, sometime in your career, you got up to give a presentation. And when you sit down, you're like, oh my gosh, I did horrible. That was the worst experience ever. And then afterwards, people came up to you and said, oh my God, you're so good at this. You're just like a natural. Well, there's a good chance that in those kind of situations, they actually saw your nervousness and perceived it as being energy and perceived it as being enthusiasm. So you can actually use that to your advantage. A lot of people that are in the public speaking industry, public speaking coaching industry anyway, a lot of my uh, competitors, they're going to tell you the exact opposite. They're going to tell you that to when you get nervous, slow down, right? That's the exact opposite of what you want to do. If you get nervous, you're going to kind of speed up. That's going to make you more exciting. It's going to make you more interesting. It's going to make people pay attention to you more. So that's actually a symptom of nervousness that you can actually use to your advantage. Um, i give you a good example of this in real life. When I when I first started as a um, in, in sales anyway, I'd, I'd been in sales for, I don't know, maybe six months or so, and, and I got promoted to be a sales manager first guy I hired uh, was a guy that I, I was training just like the way I was trained. You know, I took the guy into my office and we kind of went through a sales pitch and, and went through it, you know, three, four, five times or so. Had I did it and then he, I had him do it and, and you know, felt like we were pretty prepared. Well, we went out to, to speak to the first quote unquote prospect, the, the person who was a pr- prospective customer. Um, I, I had this guy give the, the presentation and he was so nervous that he just zoomed through it. I mean, it was typically, you know, it would take anywhere from, you know, 10 minutes to 20 minutes or so to kind of go through the presentation. But he, he zoomed through it in like lightning speed. And at the end of the presentation, he just kind of looked at the, the, um, the young lady that he was presenting to. And she paused for a second and then she looked back. And at this point, I'm thinking... This is so bad. Oh, God, I'm going to get fired. It's my first day as a sales manager, and I'm going to get fired my first day. Holy crap, what am I going to do next? And that kind of thing. And uh, and the young lady looked back at him. She said, wow, that sounds pretty good. And I'm I'm shocked. I'm looking around going, oh, what? <laughs> how did that happen, right? And she said, yeah, how do, how do I got to get started? And he pulled out a contract, and, 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 you know, she became one of his first customers. And one of the, the, as he was kind of packing up his, his briefcase, I, I, since, uh, since he was kind of off away from us a little bit, I, I kind of turned to the young lady that had purchased the product and I said, Hey, just out of curiosity, what was it that made you so interested in this? What was it that kind of put you over the top? And she said, well, the guy was just so excited about this that I figured if I didn't buy it, then he was just going to go to one of my competitors and they'd buy it. And then I'd be, I'd, I'd have missed out on that opportunity. And it for the first time, it kind of hit me how nervousness can be perceived as energy and enthusiasm because he was terrified, but she was perceiving that as being energy and enthusiasm. And that, that happens a lot in public speaking, by the way. You, you can actually use that nervousness to your advantage. Um, by the way, I, I mentioned earlier that nervousness is kind of normal, uh, even for professional speakers. I, and and even professional speakers get nervous, but the audience will likely not even perceive that nervousness. Uh, I, I'll give you a good example of that from my from my own life. When I was um, I, a couple of years ago, I got nominated for a, a marketing award by a public speaking association. So. So basically, these were everybody that was in the audience were, were peers of mine. These were people that actually do professional speaking for for a living, and uh, uh, 
the the it was a contest basically that they, there were six of us that were nominated that had businesses that were pretty good at doing marketing in the speaking industry, and um, and out of the six, each one of us got to come up on stage and present for like fifteen minutes, and the audience was going to choose the winner. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty good opportunity. It didn't hit me until I, I I saw the the other names on the list, the other five nominees, and I knew these guys. These were really prestigious keynote speakers and people that were really well known in the industry and I was competing against them so I, I I kind of for the first time started to get a little bit nervous and then what what really increased my nervousness though was that I was looking and I'm the only guy whose specialty is fearless public speaking right so other people were doing leadership and marketing and and different things like that but uh, but it kind of hit me a, a few days really before I was about to give the speech that you know, I'm supposed to be the public speaking guy, the the fearless presentations guy. So if I get up on stage and I look nervous, holy crap, my career is over. And so the the anxiety started to kind of build. Well, when we got into the room, there were the six of us were sitting at the at the front table, and um, and there were a couple of people that were going before before me, and there were another three that were going after me. And the when as the second person was presenting, he's, he did a, a really good job. I was really impressed. I'd never heard of this guy, and, and he was doing a, a really good job. And and I looked over, and the table was empty. I was the only guy now sitting at the table. The other three people that were going to go after me actually weren't even sitting at the head table anymore. And I looked off to the side on the, it was it was a, a big uh, ballroom that had kind of the accordion doors that separated it from other sections of the ballroom. And I looked, and each one of those other three guys, these professional speakers, these guys that do this for a living they were pacing back and forth and I could tell they were kind of going through their speech and and I got up and and I think I did a pretty good job and the other three guys got up and and they did a pretty good job as well so the the thing is is that I, I could tell that they were doing that they were going through those paces because they were nervous but when they got up in front of the group the audience couldn't see it and and it's likely that's a very similar thing that will happen to you as well so even if you feel that nervousness um, you know keep in mind that a lot of that stuff is is going to be things that the audience doesn't see anyway now, uh, some of these other nine things that we're going to cover are going to be things that will help you actually reduce that nervousness. So the, the number two and number three are, are two that really go together, and, uh, and they are the cause of more public speaking fear than just about anything else that, that you can do. The first one, or, or tip number two anyway, is that you never, ever, ever want to write a presentation word for word. Because if you think about it, if you write out a presentation word for word, what are you most likely to do? You're most likely going to want to read it, right? So when you read a presentation, it's going to sound, I don't care how good of a speaker you are, it's going to sound boring. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very uh, unique skill is to be able to read a presentation and make it sound interesting and make it sound, to where, make it sound like something people want to kind of hear. So that's a very, very difficult skill to kind of master. So what we uh, kind of teach our, our customers, our, our clients to do is to make notes, you know, jot down a couple of uh, bullet points and then add in content that you don't necessarily have to kind of write out word for word. Um, in the olden days, what people used to do back when I first started doing presentations, people used to kind of write out their entire presentation on a legal pad or they'd, you know, do sticky, do um, um, uh, uh, flashcards or something like that. And um, nowadays, so it's kind of high tech. Now, what most people do is they'll just put their entire presentation on a, on a slideshow. They'll put, you know, 142 bullet points on, on a PowerPoint slideshow. Well, 
basically that's the same thing as writing it out word for word. It's just you're not writing every single exact word, but it's pretty dang close because what tends to happen is people will kind of read a bullet point and then say just a little bit and then read another bullet point and say a little bit and read another bullet point and kind of say a little bit. So those that kind of thing will, will cause your, your nervousness to increase exponentially. So if you design if you if you design your presentations even just a little bit differently, you're going to reduce that nervousness pretty dramatically. In a, a few podcasts down the road, we're going to show you how to really design presentations in a way that will help you reduce that nervousness and make it to where you you don't necessarily have to write out the presentation word for word and get a much better result. So so tip number two is you want to uh, avoid writing out the presentation word for word. Now, tip number three goes right along with tip number two is you don't want to try to memorize your presentation word for word because that's the that's the trap that people tend to fall into. They will first they'll try to they'll write their presentation word for word and then they'll try to if they when they read it they know they sound boring so they say okay great if I'm if I read this thing I must sound really boring so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna memorize that and that's gonna make me sound better which actually doesn't even make any sense and basically you're saying the same exact thing as you would have said if you were reading the presentation but now you probably don't have your cheat notes in front of you so that if you're nervous already and uh, and you've got a memorized speech and you flub a line or you forget what you're going to say, then that nervousness is going to increase exponentially in just a couple of seconds. So those two things right there, number two and number three, writing a presentation word for word and trying to memorize a presentation word for word are the two biggest mistakes that people make in the design process that cause a, a lot of public speaking fear. Um, tip number four is you want to show up early. The, if, if you're the presenter, if you're the person who's actually delivering the presentation, you want to make sure that you're there well in front of the time that you're going to be starting, especially if you have some type of visual aid. So if you have a, an, an electronic slideshow of some kind, a PowerPoint or a Prezi or something like that, and you have to kind of hook that up, it's a whole lot better to kind of attach those things or, or practice with those kind of things an hour before you speak than three minutes before you speak because there's a good chance something's going to go wrong. I don't care how many times you've done it. I don't care how technical you are. Somewhere along the way, you're going to try to hook up your PowerPoint slideshow and it's not going to work. And and if that happens two minutes before you speak, all of a sudden that panic will kind of set in. Whereas if it happens an hour, it, let's just say it only takes you a minute to fix it. You know, you're still starting on time. You're still starting your presentation on time, but a minute before you're starting, now all of a sudden that panic has set in, and it and it kind of throws you off your game pretty dramatically. So so show up early. Another good reason for for uh, being at your your venue early is that you get a chance to kind of see the room. You get to kind of exp to meet with the people. So especially if it's a group that you don't speak to often, or if it's a brand new group that you've never met, it gives you a chance to kind of network with the folks a little bit, so you can better customize your the content of your pre presentation to these folks. So, so there's a lot of advantages to, to kind of showing up early. Um, we, I would, uh, years ago, this is probably, I don't know, six or seven years or so ago, I was, uh, I was do, uh, speaking with a, with another one of my presenters. We were doing a leadership conference in, in a small town and we had, uh, we had, we were staying at a hotel that was um, you know, like 0.3 miles away from, 
from the venue. And so, and we did that on purpose. You know, we went on to the, to the travel website and, and we put in the address of where we were going to be speaking the next morning and, uh, and saw that this was the actual closest hotel. So we kind of booked that. So we, we get into the, the hotel the night before and it's kind of dark, but we see that there are a couple of, um, of high rise buildings that are in kind of the same parking lot. So we're thinking, oh, that must be, the, that must be where we're going to be speaking the next morning, right? Well, the speaker that I was presenting with had a, had a brand new kind of GPS. So this was, um, you know, this was probably right before the GPSs were real popular on the cell phones. And he had, so he had, he'd spent, you know, the high dollars to get this really good. I think it was like a Garmin or something like that. Right. And he puts the address in just to make sure that we're going to the right place. And we're 45 minutes or so before we're going to be starting, or I think it's about an hour or so before we're going to be starting. So we've got plenty of time. We're only 0.3 miles away. So it's going to be, you know, a couple minutes or so to, to get there. He punches the address in the, in the Garmin and it says that, um, it, it looks like it, it is 0.3 miles away, but it's on the opposite side of the, of the road on the, on the access road of the, of the freeway that we we're next to. So not a big deal. It was like, you know, 1.2 miles or so to get there. So it was still only a couple of minutes. So, so we get on the, we, we were just about to get on the freeway and we just noticed that the traffic is kind of backed up. There's some kind of construction at the next exit. So, you know, so we, we kind of get on the freeway and get right back off, but it's taking, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so. And, and we're not getting really close to this, this place. Right. And, uh, and then the time keeps ticking and now, you know, 20 minutes have gone by, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and we finally get off the, the freeway and, and make a, a quick U-turn and, and kind of come back. We get to the exact spot that's on the GPS, and it turns out that that's just a, it's a, a an empty field. There's there's nothing in the place where the GPS is. And uh, so we ended up going back to where we started, back to the hotel, and, and going and looking at the buildings that were, you know, like we could have walked to when we started. And it turns out that that was the exact place that we were going to be going to. So I was, I mean, I was so angry. I was wanted to just kind of throw this guy's GPS up out the window. Uh, but anyway, we ended up rushing in. It, I, it was still, you know, 20 minutes or so before we were supposed to start speaking. But but when we walked into the room, there were already a lot of the people that were in the audience, a lot of people that we were going to be presenting to were already there. And they had, you know, their laptops kind of set up on their tables and all that kind of stuff. So we were kind of, it looked like we were unprepared. And, and so it was one of those things that, you know, we, we, anytime that you're going to a new venue or something like that, it's a good idea to kind of make sure you know exactly where you're going to be. I, I usually like to do that the day before now because of experiences like that. So, um, but it, it does kind of throw off your game if you're, if you have that kind of pressure right before you, right before you're about to speak. Um, the, the, uh, the last thing that we're going to cover in this one is how to, how to breathe more effectively when you're presenting. Now, this is something that I actually incorrectly taught for, I'd say probably the first 10 or 15 years or so that I was doing public speaking training is I used to, I used to tell people that when we get nervous, we tend to breathe more shallowly. And as a result of breathing more shallowly, it causes us to kind of lose our, our train of thought more, which, which is true, but there, but the mechanism uh, of why that happens is actually, um, it's a little bit more dramatic. Um, what, one of the things that happens to people when they get nervous is their heart starts to beat faster. When our heart starts to beat faster, it throws off the chemistry in our bloodstream pretty dramatically. And so when you, when you have that really fast racing heart, that means that you're more likely to, it's going to mess with the oxygen levels in your bloodstream and all that kind of stuff. And, and as a result, it can make you more cloudy when you're when you're more cloudy thinking anyway. So when you speak, it doesn't come out as clearly as what you want it to. And you're more likely to kind of lose your train of thought or lose your place or forget what you're going to say and that kind of thing. Well, after doing uh, a bunch of these uh, presentations and having medical doctors and surgeons kind of go through 
the um, they told me that this particular tip, taking a few deep breaths, is one of the best things that you can do to keep any of that stuff from happening. Because what happens is when you take a really deep breath, you know, from the diaphragm, basically what that does is it allows your heart rate to to slow down just a little bit, to have a more controlled kind of heart rate. And after having, you know, medical doctors explain this to me in class, it kind of hit me what all, you know, the coaches when I was younger were telling me when I was doing athletics, you know. So when I played, you know, football in high school and in college and when I was doing weightlifting and and later on when I started doing martial arts and jujitsu and stuff like that, you know, all of those kind of things, they're, they're, we are trained to take a big, deep breath and really kind of control our heart rate. And the reason why is because it's it, when we get nervous, that heart starts to beat. It messes up our chemistry and it makes it to where we're going to get more confused. We're going to be less clear, all that kind of stuff. So basically, all of those, those tips that our coaches were giving us when we were younger um, on breathing, that's very, very important to kind of remain in control. So if you want to have a nice poised presentation right before you speak, just kind of take a really deep kind of breath before you before you speak, and it'll help you kind of get started on the right time, uh, right track anyway, and kind of reduce your nervousness. So, so those are the first five things that we're we're going to cover as far as ways to to reduce public speaking fear. I've got, I've got an additional five that I'm going to cover on the next podcast. We're also going to cover a new tech find in the in the next podcast. So if you if you haven't already done so, make sure and subscribe to the to the podcast because anytime we have new sessions coming out, it'll it'll kind of pop up on your on your your podcast device to make it much easier for you to kind of keep track. Um, in addition to that, um, I, there we have a, a, a few different things that will help you apply this stuff in the real world. If you go to fearlesspresentations.com slash podcast one, so fearlesspresentations.com slash podcast one, it'll give you a, a summary of kind of what we've covered here along with the, with the tech find for this week and, and a transcript of, of, um, of kind of what we said here. So, so basically it's a good way, a good follow-up tool, uh, to, uh, to be able to apply it. And uh, also in addition to that, if you're looking for any of our public speaking classes, the, the schedule of our upcoming public speaking classes in cities all over the world will actually be on the, on that website as well. So lots of good finds there. So we'll see you on the next Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.